Hi, and welcome to the Boundless Book Club. You are here with... Ahlam. Annabelle. And me, Andrea. On a normal day, you would find us at work doing what we do at the Emirates Literature Foundation. And that includes talking and thinking about books. But just like you, we are bound to our homes right now. So we've taken the conversation online and we hope you will join us. And today we are going to be talking about guilty pleasures. Is there such a thing as guilty pleasures when it comes to books? Surely they're books, so therefore by definition they're good. But then I thought about um, Tayari Jones, author of An American Marriage, who was here for the festival in February. And she was on this panel with um, Essie Dujan and Claire McIntosh talking about relationships under strain. And I don't know if you saw that panel discussion, but in there, Tayari says when she was growing up, she read a lot of very bad books that had an impact on her. And I think what she was talking about was the type of books that you buy by the bucket they're not necessarily by an author that you know and respect they're just sort of mass produced mm-hmm. stories where their writing might not be particularly high quality and you might not get any kind of representation uh, all the characters yeah. are of a certain mold and then you start to question whether you should be fitting into that mold because you don't see yourself in it and I think that yeah. is a perhaps not a guilty pleasure but a bad book if i were in a miss universe pageant i would say no there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure we should all read whatever we want and i've said that many times before but i think that because of the innate reaction that i have when some people say they're reading certain books there is such a thing as a guilty pleasure so yeah i think there are there shouldn't be and we should try and move away from it that's where i'm at right now in my my thinking Yeah, I just, I was like, what are the books that I'm embarrassed for anyone to see in my house? What are the ones that are hidden behind the the pile in the front? And that's what made up my pile today. (laughs) And I kind of don't want to go through them. I don't want to show them to you guys. (laughs) That we really want to know. What's what's on top of the pile? Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to start with the one that's least embarrassing to me, honestly. Love Letters of Great Men. And I'm going to tell you why this one is a guilty pleasure. What inspired me to get it is my previous obsession with Carrie Bradshaw. Now I say previous because it no longer is. I completely (laughs) recognize (laughs) the bad behaviors and the bad decisions that she always made. But in the first movie, she's sitting in bed before she sleeps and she's reading this book, which at the time didn't actually exist. Love Letters of Great Men. Hold on. Did they write the book after the movie? Yeah, they've compiled together actual love letters of people like Oscar Wilde, Mark Twain is in there, Charles Darwin, Lord Nelson, and she's in bed and she's reading it and she ends the letter by Beethoven in the end he says ever thine ever mine ever ours and that was really really famous quote from the movie so a couple of years later I was in New York and I walk into a bookshop and I see this and I was like "Ooh, inspired by the movie <laughs> but it's actually a pretty cool book I mean you know all these amazing letters I mean really really old letters some of them was like people who haven't even seen each other they've only heard of each other and they're sort of have this love relationship that is only surviving through letters and so it's really cool I heard a really cool story about letters this week so a really good good friend of the festival was telling us that he was on a plane one day and he has a bit of a beard and see he sees this other guy in the plane that has this much bigger more magnificent beard 
And so he said, I took out my fountain pen and I start writing him a letter. And he says to him, dear, you know, person with amazing beard in seat 9K or whatever, I just want to write to you and compliment your beard. I'm sorry if you find this letter really strange, but, you know, would you mind taking a photograph with me so that I can go back home and show my wife your amazing beard so that she can know the potential that my beard has to grow into (laughs) one day? And hopefully this may silence her. And I fear that even this may not silence her. It's just hilarious. And they ended up being really good friends until today. So, you know, that letter made him gain a friend for life. Doesn't that make you want to write a letter to someone? Absolutely. One of my guilty pleasure books isn't even a guilty pleasure. It's like a compilation of famous letters through history. So is your guilt is just from the connection and the backstory. So. <laughs> so what else? What do you guys have? Annabelle? My, my first guilty pleasure is always going to be a shopaholic book. This is Christmas shopaholic. But the first book in the shopaholic series is what I would recommend to absolutely everyone and the key conflict is very strong you've got this character Rebecca Bloomwood she's a financial journalist but she loves shopping she's got an addiction and she ends up in masses of debt and that key conflict someone who loves shopping is in debt and should know better is incredibly compelling to read and from that very strong key conflict chaos ensues and it's just it's always fun seeing characters who don't quite have it together who get into all sorts of scrapes and then somehow you know there's always going to be a happy ending she's going to get herself out of it they're incredibly funny they always start with a sternly worded letter from her bank that's what opens (laughs) each each book and they happen throughout the book as well so she'll get various letters from shops where she has applied for some like crazy discount or and she convinces herself that everything that she buys on a sale is ultimately saving and it's the way she justifies these things to herself that's absolutely hilarious so that's that's my main guilty pleasure and my other one I'm not really guilty about but some people maybe think I should be and that's Bridget Jones's Diary by Helen Fielding published in 1996 I think it's still as good today as it was then and it's interesting you've got people like me who like it and then you've got people like Salman Rushdie who rave about it it just it seems it's one of those books it's more universal than say Confessions of a Shopaholic Mm. but it's similar in that I have never been 30 single living in London I don't really identify with her but there is something compelling about the flaws in a female character and the fact that she can still have fun I think that's incredibly appealing I've got a couple of quotes here relevant for being in quarantine she says being a woman is worse than being a farmer there is so much harvesting and crop spraying to be done legs to be waxed underarm shaved eyebrows plucked feet pumice skin exfoliated and moisturized spots cleansed roots dyed eyelashes tinted nails filed cellulite massage stomach muscles exercise the whole performance is so highly tuned you only need to neglect it for a few days for the whole thing to go to seed sometimes i wonder what i would be like if left to revert to nature with a full beard and handlebar mustache on each chin That's cool. I've watched the movie, but I never read the books. The the movie is quite well known and I love the film as well. I think she's less likable in the book than she is in the movie. Renee Zellweger makes her a lot warmer, I think, than in the book. And I was just thinking about why she's so popular in general and what's comforting about her. And Helen Fielding actually said that she suspected what Bridget had tapped into was the gap between how people feel they are expected to be on the outside and how they actually feel inside. 
And that's exactly why it's a guilty pleasure that I think people return to again and again. Mm. I remember when that book first came out and it was really one of those that everybody was talking about. I feel like it was almost the start of a lot more flawed female characters. There weren't that many people talking about how flawed and obsessed with calorie counting and cigarettes and so on at the time. I think before that, protagonists were a lot more perfect. I was just going to say, I only read it because everybody was talking about it and I was fully prepared to not like it. But it is quite relatable, really. Not necessarily her particular character traits, but the way she inhabits her world is so relatable for most people, I think. The New Year's resolution page as well. I think that's what starts the book. So she starts with this long list of things that she's going to achieve. And that's what connects Shopaholic and Bridget Jones's diary as well, is these characters, they struggle with quite big things, you know, debt, addiction, in various different ways, but they are not beaten down at all. They still make their resolutions. They still think, yes, you know, this year, this is my year. I'm going to do it in the same way that we all do. We all have renewed bouts of faith and then failure and faith and then failure. Mm. And I think that's really refreshing to read about in straightforward language sometimes. Well, you've totally sold both of your books really well. I'm going to read both of them. Andrea, what do you got? I've got a very big and heavy book called Pattern by Orla Keeley, who's this Irish designer that you might be familiar with. And the reason why this is a guilty pleasure is not just because of this book, but what it represents, which is a huge pile of coffee table books that I don't read. (laughs) I have them and they're really pretty. Look at this beautiful mid-century aesthetic. It's just, it's lovely. (laughs) And I have not read a single word and I don't really care. And they're not cheap, these types of books. No, and they're, they're not. not easy to move with and they don't really fit on the bookshelf very well. So that's my guilty pleasure. It, it kind of fits in with Shopaholic a little bit, doesn't it? I don't know what it is. It just something about them attracts you. Like I, I don't have too many here. We have some travel books and I have one book, which is like this huge book of world maps, <laughs> which also is just very, very pretty. And the artwork inside is really, really nice. But if I do go to into a bookshop, I am attracted to looking at all these big chunky like photographic books of even like models or Vogue covers like shoes and also like interior design and and all sorts of things and there's this gigantic book that we have in the office which is jewelry from this region and it's just the most stunning book I think there's a place for these books I don't I Mm. I mean though it's a guilty pleasure I really don't think it's something you should be embarrassed to have it's just a quantity So you say you don't actually even read them, but you know that you have them. So is the pleasure in knowing that you own it and that gives you pleasure that you have beautiful things? Unfortunately, I'd say the pleasure is in having it for like the first day and then you forget you have it and then you go and buy the next one. (laughs) So if you were to move country, are you going to take them with you? Oh God, yes, I will. They're so heavy and difficult to transport. I know. We brought them here in the first place 12 years ago or something, some of them. So that's my first guilty pleasure. This is the big one. Anyone who knows me knows that I am um, a horsey person. I love horse riding probably more than most things. And a few years ago, there was a period where I couldn't go riding for an extended period of time. So A really good friend of mine gave me this book, Polo (laughs) by Julie Cooper. And it is, honestly, it's the most fun ever. And I don't think this lady gets enough credit for writing such completely bonkers books. They are just all about quite wealthy people around the glamorous world of horses. This one is about 
people who play polo. There are people with outrageous names like Perdita, Ponzi, something or other. I don't even know what they're called, but it's hilarious. And they have so many little dramas and intrigues, and there are so many different parallel plot lines that I cannot tell you what it's about, apart from horses. And... (laughs) possibly trying to win back your ex who is now with your cousin but your cousin stole your horse so therefore Anna carries on and it's hilarious (laughs) I Um, want to read this yesterday yes (laughs) and I think she's written a number of books that are kind of the same there's one I've I've, I've seen the covers I've seen the covers of quite a few of them with let's just say well-placed riding prop yes absolutely I want to read more of them but there's just never a time when I think, hmm, is there a guilty pleasure that was published 25 years ago that I can pick up today? However, I did, in preparation for this recording, I did go onto Amazon to look it up to remind myself what it was about. And it said, this title is currently unavailable due to high demand. And it was published in the 90s. That's awesome. So it it has a market. It has its audience. (laughs) It Definitely, yes. You, you both have two books. I've, I've got this entire pile of <laughs> embarrassing books. Babel by Charles Saatchi. <laughs> this one actually has a story which is, which is pretty cool. So I had, I had this boss eight years ago and her and I went off to be really good friends. So I would go into her office and we start talking about work, but the conversation always went on a tangent and we would end up talking about the most random things. And she was one of these people that had really good general knowledge about anything and everything and all sorts of things that nobody cares about. <laughs> and so when she left, she got me this book. And on the first page, she's left me a note which says, for when you miss my random off a tangent chat. So this is basically like Charles Saatchi and every page is about something different. And it's a mix of pictures and his opinions about things. It's basically him going on a rant. So in the back is like all the different kind of things that he talks about, like uh, your last meal on death row, the hideousness of the art world. Love may be blind, but marriage is an eye opener. Advertising is easy money for school dropout. (laughs) It's just really random things that he talks about, but I do enjoy reading it. I mean, it's a no commitment, open a random page and just have a laugh. So he's someone who doesn't do any media interviews. So it's a good sort of insight into his life. Yeah. I want to pick up on a word that you said there. You said commitment. That might be a big part of the mm. books that we choose. Andrea, your your book, the zero commitment that you have to mm. make to your coffee table books, they're there for you if you want them. So is Sophie Kinsella. She'll probably have a new one out the moment she's published the next one. That she just keeps churning them out. There's no pressure in the same way that there is with other classic mm. literature that is, that is wonderful. And yes, we should read, but there is always this sense, I think, in the back of my mind anyway, that you should finish this and then you will need to discuss it with people and have opinions. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. And yeah, I mean, he's not particularly literary. He's a marketing guru. So Mm. he had a huge marketing agency in the 80s and 90s. So he just has a fun way of telling stories. And it's like you say, no pressure. And another no pressure collection. I struggle with this one because it's like, okay, you have these like micro poems, which are some are some are quite poetic and some are just words placed in a in a certain form looking like a poem but it's actually just a sentence and so you struggle with it but I mean Rupi Kerr is like the only poet that's ever been on Jimmy Fallon or like a mainstream 
daily talk show like that. And there's a lot to be said about that. And it's a New York Times bestseller. So there is a market and it does speak to a lot of people, the, the kind of poetry or, you know, poetic thoughts, let's say, that go into books like I think that's more of a reflection on Jimmy Fallon, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. The words you should know to sound smart. <laughs> I love it already. This is funny because we have two copies in the house. So I had bought a copy and my husband bought a copy before we met each other. And then we move in and suddenly there's two copies in the house. We're just so meant to be. <laughs> Let's just look at a, a random page and see what there is. Kwanzaa, an African holiday. Kowtow, to give someone every wish. Efflorescent, effrontery effulgent, effusive. You know, when you meet those people that are trying to use half the dictionary to sound a certain <laughs> way, now we know exactly what book they've been given. Oh, yes. Exactly. Okay, two more. Steve Harvey, talking about relationships. This is Ahlam in her early 20s trying to get ahead of the game and understand how men think and how women <laughs> behave and how relationship dynamics work. But I do remember even at the time reading it thinking, Steve Harvey thinks like my dad. He's quite traditional in his thoughts. I'm not sure I agreed with a lot of the things that he was saying. Okay, last book. Who doesn't love a good Nicholas Sparks? <laughs> Annabelle, tell us your tell us your notebook story. Why? Um, oh gosh. Okay, this is this is the bit where any notebook fans just please don't come at me with pitchforks. So I've I've never read a Nicholas Sparks book. Uh, and I think part of it is that I watched the notebook and I don't think that it's a bad film. I was watching it with a friend who absolutely loved it and they did that thing that friends do where they stare at you the entire pressure. film. It's the pressure. <laughs> I think it was the pressure that completely ruined it for me. I was like, okay, I have to like this film. It's the best film in the world. What if it isn't? And that was my thought process throughout the entire film. I like the bit where they, the, at the end, I like the, I like the ending. I think that's yeah. quite beautiful. I don't know. I'm a sucker for Nicholas Spark. And I mean, The Notebook is one of the classics that I could watch once every couple of years. But Dear John, I also <laughs> love. I don't know if there are any Dear John fans out there, but I love Amanda Seyfried also in the movie. And um, Channing Tatum is not bad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the last of my guilty pleasure pile. Do you <laughs> feel differently now about your guilt? Or is the guilt the same, uh, non-existent? How are we feeling? Even if it's something that you wouldn't read today, I feel like they were all a part of your reading journey in one way or another, except for words you should know when you <laughs> to sound smart. <laughs> that wasn't a part of my reading journey. It's just curiosity, that one. But everything else, I think if it made you pick up a book and, and it represents a certain time in your life, I think. Yeah, which absolutely. Is cool. hmm. Yeah, I like what you said there about the, the they've all been a part of our journey. <laughs> words that made us sound smarter or made us think like a man <laughs> whatever, they, whatever yes. they are act yes. like a lady think like a man <laughs> i feel like i might download another jilly cooper book i had oh. not thought about this for such a long time and by digging through my bookshelves and looking through my kindle I feel like I've discovered some very appropriate books to read right now when I want something quite light and funny. So I think maybe some equestrian-related intrigue is uh, exactly what I need right now. Here's to lightness and comedy, always. I don't feel guilty about it. I shouldn't. 
Although the covers on the train don't help, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> you can tell us your opinions and shoot down all our ideas, suggest a topic, or just tell us about a book you liked by emailing comms at emiratesliftfest.com. Or you can send us a message on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you are watching this rather than listening, you'll know that we are also on YouTube. If you are listening to audio only, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Boundless Book Club, the Guilty Pleasures episode. Thank you for listening.